Hey, this is DJ Hoppa. Welcome to A Tribe Called Dad. We're so excited that you're joining us. Big shout out to all the dads that are listening in and shout out to the moms that are also spying on us. (laughs) I just want to thank you for being here. I also want to encourage you to rate and review this podcast and share this with a fellow dad or somebody out there that you know would benefit from this. This episode today is about a topic that is so important that I don't think we talk about enough, which is integrity. So we're going to jump in. We've got myself, Seth. We've also got CJ joining us. Lucas is here as well. This will be a great one. Let's do it. Yes, everybody, welcome into A Tribe Called Dad. My name is Hoppa. I'm joined by Lucas, Seth, and CJ today. We've got a full house, fellas, because today's topic is uh, really, really important, actually. I think this is important for dads. It's important for men. It's important for everyone, honestly. Uh, Today, we're talking about the good old integrity. And uh, CJ is here because uh, CJ has some really awesome thoughts when it comes to integrity and maybe some advice for dads who are trying to incorporate more integrity in fatherhood and just in life in general. So CJ, thanks for joining Seth, Lucas, and I here on the uh, show today. Thanks for having me. So um, I want to start this off and we're going to treat this more like a panel discussion than anything. And, um, you know, as you fellas, you know, want to chime in, um, I would love to hear from everybody about this. But, you know, I guess first off, like, how do you even define integrity? Because I think the definition of integrity might be a little bit loose or might be different for different folks. So um, maybe let's start with CJ and then we'll we'll go to Seth and then Lucas. Yeah, well, the way I talk about integrity is going to be a very diverse way of thinking. Um, I guess what I could do, it might even be more beneficial to have one of you guys go first about what typically people define integrity as. Mm. Uh, it might help. It might help prove some points here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Seth, you want to take a stab at that? Uh, actually, I'm curious, Lucas or Hoppe, like when you think of it, when you think of the word integrity. This is everybody passing, everybody's passing it to each other. Uh, All right, Lucas, it's on you. Yeah, this is smart. The one guy that isn't a coach. So, uh, yeah, (laughs) I'll be wrong first. Um, yeah, uh, integrity, I think is, um, you know, all about, uh, staying true to one's word, um, and true to one's intentions. Uh, and, you know, I, I grew up in a, a household with um, with several generations of men that talked about integrity as as being everything uh, in the truest sense, you know, in the in the sense that if you ha- don't have integrity, uh, you don't really have anything and, and it's going to be harder to move through life. Um, and so, you know, we talked a lot uh, growing up about trust and and the connection between trust and integrity. Um, and as a dad now, you know, it's one of the, one of the things I, I most frequently try to, to pass down from my father to my children. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that I appreciated at the time how challenging it is to, you know, teach such a complex topic to a a child. Um, 
but uh, but that, I guess that would be sort of my my summary of it at best. So coaches, what did I get right? What did I get wrong? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. <laughs> that, no that's right for here. Seth and CJ. By the way, <laughs> um, I I would second what you said really quick, and I just think you know the the way I define integrity is is doing what you said you would do, you know, and and showing up if you said you'd show up, and um, and I do agree actually that trust. I'd say trust and integrity are siblings uh, in my book for sure. But yes, off off to our off to our wonderful coaches Seth and CJ. Yeah, what do you what do you guys think? Typically, uh, when most people think of integrity, they think of it in a moral sense, where uh, like like and they they're answering essentially the question: Am I a good person? Do I have values? Um, and this moral definition oftentimes uh, can be limiting um, in how we can actually use integrity uh, in, in the way that I think CJ is going to describe in a second. Um, so I think that's where most people get tripped up is they think of integrity as like, I'm a good person, I'm a bad person. And then whenever they're out of integrity and the system's not working or they didn't do what they say they're going to do, or, um, you know, they made a mistake, um, maybe they lied or whatever it may be. Uh, a ton of guilt and shame comes over them. And it, it actually really suppresses anyone's ability for growth uh, because uh, of this moral construct around integrity. Well, it's funny, similar to what Lucas, you said like integrity is everything. And if you don't have it, you have nothing. It's That's similar to the moral scale. You know, that's typically what we hear. That's right there is if people think integrity as a light switch, like you you have it or you don't. And so when people in, relate to integrity as moral, I was having a conversation with my buddy yesterday where I said like, hey, when you, sh- when you show up late to work, what immediately happens like internally? What thoughts do you have? And he's like, well, his immediate answer was not good things, like not good thoughts. Uh, and I, I, I asked him a little bit more and he was like, well, you know, I have some stress going on. I have some anxiety. I want to be really quiet. I want to like shame out. I don't want to tell anybody. Uh, and that is the exact issue with it being a moral principle, because when you don't do something you say you're going to do, which, by the way, happens all the time, then you're going to shame out and have anxiety and stress and and less opportunity for performance, because now it's just this like, you know, it's it's virtuous. And if I have a like my identity is wrapped up in doing something or saying I was going to do something and then following through with it. Well, then that means when I don't follow through with it, then I have less virtue or I'm degraded as a person. Hmm. Hmm. So h- how do you get, how do you switch that then, CJ? Like, because it, it sounds as though like that would be not a great thing for dads to be carrying around um, is then to feel like, okay, I- I'm, it's on or off. And if I'm, if I'm off, then I'm now this horrible dad and maybe I just check out, which would be horrendous as as a father or as a parent yeah totally and before i say like what to do to fix it i'll i'll say a few things to preface this conversation which is i'm not saying that integrity like is the only answer i'm not saying that the way i relate to it is the truth either i i I just want to invite everyone listening to try this on as a possibility like it may or may not help help you it's a tool and you guys can choose to do with it what you want so um I'm also not saying that if you're lacking integrity as a dad or a a husband or as a a boss, a manager, an employee, anything, that you're going to feel horrible. You know, like 
it's not automatic that like, you know, when you have low integrity, you just feel bad. That's just a very common thing that happens. Um, so anyways, to answer your question, the first shift is to stop relating to integrity as a virtue or, um, or a moral thing. Like the fact is, is integrity, the way I define it is to be whole and complete. Okay. And so when people hear that, they're like, that's a really diverse way of thinking. You know, I don't really know what that means. Um, and so what it means is like you, yes, we want to keep your word. And when you can't keep your word, you honor it, which means you talk to the people impacted, see what the impact is on their end and clean up any mess. But most people don't want to have that conversation because they think it's, hey, going to look really bad for me to have this conversation with people. So one way to think about what CJ is saying there, uh, actually a couple of examples, uh, one being, uh, Papa, like the chair that you're sitting on, uh, if we looked at that chair and says that it said that it had integrity, we would say that the chair works. The chair is built, the screws are tight, uh, the back the backrest is where it should be. Um, and when you sit in it, you can trust that it will hold you up. So we would say that that chair has integrity. The chair is neither moral. It's not a good or a bad chair. It just has integrity or it doesn't. Uh, okay, so that's one example. Another example would be uh, similar to like riding a bike. We all know what it feels like to get on a bike at someone's house that has flat tires, the chain doesn't work really well, and go off for a bike ride. <laughs> That bike ride experience is is uh, it's slow. It takes more effort. Um, you don't really enjoy it as much because you're having to work twice as hard and and uh, struggling with a bike that lacks integrity. And so, when uh, when we're talking about integrity, we we one of the the big things to do is to actually stop and stop the bike, get off the bike, and pull the nails out of the tire, so to speak, the the leaking air coming out of those tires and refill that tire uh, so that you've got full air and a chain that works. So the bike actually works and uh, your opportunity for performance goes up substantially when the tires are filled, the chain works and the bike operates as it should in integrity. So CJ, one area where maybe you can help me out here. So um, I'm relating everything that Seth just said to your comment about the light switch and you know, the challenging the idea of this sort of binary nature to integrity, you either are displaying integrity or you're not, um, you know, with the bike or with the chair, you know, if, if those things give out uh, and, you know, I fall to the floor, or I, you know, tip over on the bike like that, there, there, I don't see a gray area there, right? Like either the chair holds me or it doesn't. Um, and so, you know, I guess my question is, like, for each of us, I think we intuitively know what matters to us and what doesn't. And there are places where maybe we're a little more forgiving with ourselves, like, yeah, you know, but that thing wasn't really like nobody was really counting on me for that versus like, hey, my my, you know, I, I told my kid I would do this thing and they've had their heart set on it all day and I better deliver. Right. Like, so can you talk maybe about that? There, there's two really big points to what you're talking about. The first is your first example of the chair. Okay. It, de it depends what the objective of the chair is. So the objective and what I'm going to make up is it's to hold you up, right? It's something to be able to sit on. Now, when the chair breaks, it's 
workability is declined, right? The, the opportunity for performance that chair has is decreased. It's not gone though, right? Because you could still build the chair again, or you could still, you know, rebuild it. It would be completely deteriorate. It, there would be no opportunity for performance if everything disappeared when it collapsed, right? Now, for this is a, it's a working kind of definition or, you know, metaphor here. Um, but the point being that there's still an opportunity for performance for that, right? Um, now, the second thing you said, and I'm, I might be forgetting here. Um, it was about our ability to kind of separate for ourselves sort of what's important from what maybe is less important and using that as a structure to maybe determine for ourselves like where it may be a, a binary thing or where there may be a greater spectrum, you know, where we can get over it, forgive ourselves, avoid the shame. Yeah. So the one reason why some people think that using this definition, why it is a light switch is because I like to have the conversation that integrity is a law the same way gravity is a law. Okay. So if I jump off my balcony, I'm going to hit the ground. <laughs> it's it, Gravity isn't bad because I jumped off. You know, that's just the way that the law of gravity works. Similarly, the law of integrity states, if I break a word, I have less opportunity for performance. It doesn't matter if it's to somebody else or to yourself, because the only thing that is between your word is trust. There's no morality. There's no virtue there's nothing there's just trust so you're you're correct lucas on your definition of integrity as it relates to trust and for you guys and anyone listening don't believe me you can look in your life when you don't do something that you said you would either to yourself or to your kids you now have less quality of life so like peace of mind appreciation freedom self-expression either 0.01% or a hundred percent. Okay. And you have less power, which means the ability to say things and make them happen. You know, like if, if you gave your word to go to the gym five day to wake up at 5am and go to the gym five days a week, you do it five days in a row. That sixth day is going to be, you're going to have a lot of power to be able to say that you're going to do that. Now, if you break your word with yourself, the first three days, even the first day, let's just say the first three days, the fourth day is going to be much easier to also not go to the gym, right? So it's a comp it's a compound effect on both ways. You know, mm. the more and more you give your word to things and make it happen, then you can start creating a very high level of performance. Like, hey, I said I was going to do this with my kids. I said I was going to create this much money at work. I said I was going to do this. And you're able to do it because the relationship with your word is strong. Seth, it seems like you got. CJ, the image that comes to my mind is uh, it's it's like an axe. When the axe head becomes dull uh, because either I have not kept my word to someone else or kept my word to myself, uh, I, I go to swing the axe and it's dull. So it bounces off the wood. I actually, I don't have a tool that allows me to cut through wood in a very like efficient, high performance way. And so um, if, if I'm, if I'm living my life with a dull ax head uh, and my, and especially with my relationships, uh, I will, what, what will typically happen is, is I will lose trust. I will lose effectiveness. Um, I will have trouble getting things done with others. 
my opportunity for performance within myself and with others dramatically reduces. And so uh, tending to your word or tending to the sharpness of your acts uh, is, is very, very important because it helps you, it helps you create with others. It helps you, uh, strike when you want to strike and, and, uh, produce a result when you do make that strike. And if you don't have that trust in your, in your acts or in your tool of integrity of your word, uh, then oftentimes you just, your opportunity for performance drops dramatically. I will say that uh, about you in particular, Seth. I mean, I think you were the first person in my life that, um, has done that. Like we will, <laughs> you'll like miss a call of ours or whatever. And, and you'll hit me up and you'll just be like, Hey, I'm like, I hope I haven't broken any trust. And like, you'll, and I'm, I'm thinking like, man, we just, you missed a call. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, but, but it, it's, um, it is, it's something that I think you obviously are talking about now. And it, and what I want to know from, from you guys, and I think this is like really helpful for our listeners is to figure out like, yes, integrity is a tool. I think this has been a really great conversation of figuring out what integrity is and what it isn't. You know, what happens, like, what are the practical steps when somebody doesn't make good on their word, doesn't make good on their promise? Like, what can somebody do, particularly like dads with kids or or with your with your significant other, with your partner, when when something that you said you were gonna do um, doesn't happen, at that point, what should those steps be that somebody should take? What would be preferred to be able to keep that X head sharp? I think for everybody, no matter whether it's a broken commitment with your your kid, your wife, your boss, anyone, it's, as I mentioned, since the law of integrity is a law, it's the same. Just like the law of gravity is the same for kids and adults and Mm -hmm. employees and bosses. So what I would recommend is similar to what Seth is saying. If if we can potentially agree, again, don't believe me, but try it on. If we can agree that the only thing between a broken commitment and a word is trust, well, then everyone's question should be, well, okay, CJ, how do I restore trust? Um, and there's, you know, this kind of like process you could do, but at a, at a foundation, it's, uh, it's clearing, you know, acknowledging that there's a broken commitment. Something is that something is broken here, you know? Mm-hmm. And secondly, it's asking if there's any impact on that person, because people don't realize the impact that happens when somebody breaks a commitment. Um, you know, I, I, Seth or I forget who it was with. It was another podcast where someone said, hey, imagine I have a commitment to my kid to go like, let's pretend it's go ride your bike. Mm -hmm. Well, if you keep putting off this like riding my bike with like my son or my children, well, they're going to naturally lose trust with you. Next time you say you're going to ride that bike, it's going to be, there's going to be less and less opportunity for them to believe that what you're saying is going to happen. Um and so you have the conversation, hey, here's the broken commitment. Do you forgive me? And is there any way I can clean up this mess? I guess measuring the impact of that broken trust, that's super interesting to me, CJ, because, you know, I think I think intuitively we all know like, oh, the right thing to do is apologize. But to actually take stock of maybe the unseen impacts of your failure to act, like that's super interesting to me. Um, you know, and I'm... I'm 
I wonder if there aren't two sort of impacts to that. You know, one is demonstrating that you care in a deeper sense, um, but the other might be to to give perspective uh, to the other person, right? Because you know, I've had moments where people have broken a promise to me, and I was super disappointed and frustrated by it. But you know, if they had asked me, like, you know, oh, I I hope this didn't you know impact you severely, it would have put me in a position to be like, actually, no, like it didn't. I'm fine. You know, and so maybe it it softens the offense in some way as well when people realize those cases where, yeah, you know, I, I was insulted, but, you know, like, I'm OK. I'm, nothing tragic happened. I, I had an interesting experience with the guy that cuts my hair and I I had an appointment with him to cut my hair. Um, and for some reason, my assistant and I had a mix up and I went on vacation and he sends me a text while on vacation saying, Hey, where are you for our haircut or whatever? And I, and I completely forgotten. Um, we rescheduled, I apologized. I, I, I restored trust over text with him. Um, and, uh, and then, um, we had the second meeting. It was a couple of weeks later, the second uh, hairdressing appointment. And I, I broke the. I broke my commitment again. I forgot. It was like twice in a row. And it was interesting because I I uh, I went through the whole uh, opportunity to rebuild trust with him. And um, we got to the part where we were exploring impact. And he was very quick to sort of say, hey, it's no big deal. It happens. Um, I actually paid him for both of the, the haircut sessions that I missed. So he was grateful for that. So I felt like I had, you know, made up my wrong that way. But uh, I, I kept kind of pressing him on like, hey, well, what's the impact? And he's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's no big deal. And then finally, we got to the end of, of me kind of like pressing him and asking like, well, you know, surely there must have been some impact. How did you feel? How, how did, what did you think about me? And he he basically said, yeah, there was an impact. Like there was a bit of trust that was lost. And I asked him, I said, well, what can I do to, to, well, first I said, do you forgive me? Which is a completely different uh, question than I'm sorry. There's a huge difference. Like you, you notice um, oftentimes we'll, we'll mess up and we'll, we'll say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And it often becomes about the person that who's saying I'm sorry. And that, and that the, the whole, all the attention gets put to them versus the question saying, do you forgive me? Which actually gives power back to the person who was hurt uh, to actually decide, like, do they forgive you or not? So I asked him, I said, do you forgive me? And he said, yes, I forgive you. And then I followed up with this question to restore, to work on how we could restore trust. I said to him, uh, how can, what, what can I do in order to restore trust with you? And he thought about that for a while and he, he's like, oh, nothing. It's all good. You know, no, no problem. Just, just, uh, you know, make sure you come to the appointments next time. And we we kind of kept playing with it. And I said, hey, man, would it be valuable if I texted you 10 minutes before our next appointment, just so that you knew that I, that I was on my way and coming? And he thought about it for a minute and he was like, yeah, that would actually be really helpful. That would help restore trust. And so ever since uh, ever since that moment, I've texted him 10 minutes before, you know, hey, I'm on my way so that he doesn't get gummed up and, you know, plan on me being there and then I don't show up. So over time, we're rebuilding trust, uh, even though he's forgiven me. Um, and that was a, it was a, it was a fun example of like how trust can be rebuilt. Well, and similarly to apologizing, like even this process of do you forgive me? You know, it seems like if you were to commit these sort of breaks in trust repeatedly, any sort of 
steps you try to take to repair it, those steps will get worn out. Like if you continue to repeat the infraction. Uh, and so what CJ, one of the things that I was picking up and what you were saying is a lot about forming habits. Um, and so can you maybe, you know, I think we've all sort of dabbled in the, you know, the, those books, um, that talk about, you know, creating healthy habits. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm sensing maybe some parallelism here. Is, am I, am I misreading? It's, it's, I'd say they're adjacent or maybe one trumps the other. I think that there's one habit to form, which is creating a strong relationship with your word. That's it. If, I love that. if you, if you build a strong relationship or the habit of having a strong relationship with your word, then you can forget about all the habits. You know, I think the biggest thing that keeps people from keeping all their habits or building habits is because there's a lack of power when they give their word to the habit, or there's a lack of discipline or power to be able to say, I'm not going to follow this uh, destructive pattern, you know, mm-hmm. and I want to build a different pattern or a different habit. Uh which is something I'm, I touched on is that uh, honor creating a strong relationship with your word or having high integrity creates two things in your life. It creates power, which means the ability to say things and make them happen. And then two is quality of life. How's your internal state? What is the subjective point of view that you're experiencing of life? Um so I kind of, you know, that's a little bit of a rabbit hole there, a little tangent, but mainly it's, yes, get one habit, which is a strong relationship with your word. Mm. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the the relationship with your word is is huge. And I think like that's something that is a great takeaway from this. Um, I guess I would love to hear from um, Seth real quick in terms of maybe a um, something to kind of tie this up a little bit in terms of this episode on integrity. I know we were even kind of joking about it as this could be one of many uh, episodes on integrity. But Seth, what what do you feel like is a good like takeaway to kind of close up this sort of first part of the podcast here? Yeah, as we're wrapping here, the thing that really stands out to me is, is that uh, integrity, uh, it, it's one of the most important things you can do for your self-care as a person. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting thinking of it from that perspective, because if we want to create more power in our life and more quality of life, uh, integrity is the tool that's, that's really going to help us do that. And, um, I think the sobering thing is, is that we can't, we can't get around this. Like if, if in fact, integrity is like gravity is like a, a law of gravity, uh, then this is something we, that you can't avoid. Like it, it just, it doesn't it doesn't work to tell your kid that you're going to go for a bike ride, you know, four or five times and then not do it. Like the law of gravity will, 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 sorry, the law of integrity will create a diminished power. It will create a diminished quality of life and it will drain trust out of the relationships. And so if you're a dad listening today, or you're a manager or a leader of any kind, uh, this, this tool of your word is incredibly powerful. Uh, it has the power to create incredible results in your life, enhance the quality of your life and build rock solid trust uh, with yourself and with your relationships. So that whenever you say you want to go create something and you give your word to it, it happens. That is power. That is quality of life. Um, and that is, um, that's, that's really how we're designed to live. So 
Yeah, I, I, I love it. Um, I, I thank you, gents, for uh, participating in this whole thing and us getting a chance to flesh out integrity. Uh, don't go anywhere yet. We've actually got a top three coming up. So we've got top three uh, that CJ is going to put together uh, all around integrity. Uh, we'll be right back. A tribe called Dad. This is the top three. It's the top three. It's the top three. This is the top three. Here it is. Top three integrity takeaways. CJ, uh, you've got the floor, man. You're going to give us our, our three takeaways. Uh, we'll start with number one. What's number one? Number one. Yeah, I'd say number one is to set aside the virtue and the moral side of integrity. Um start to notice just how often it gets in the way of, you know, creating an opportunity for performance. Mm. Mm. Yeah, not thinking about it as a moral concept, but more right. of this universal truth, this law. Or even thinking of it, I guess, like as a tool, right? Like, oh, this is just a tool I use to create more power and more quality of life in my, in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love mm-hmm. that. Love that. Okay. Uh, number two. Number two. Yeah. Two is I would, again, like I said in the beginning, don't accept this as truth. Just try and accept this as a possibility that you guys uh, start to notice in the world. Uh, and so so with that being said, I'm asserting or inviting you to think that any amount of uncomfortability in your life, such as anxiety or stress or fear, shame, uh could be coming from a lack of integrity. And so part with similar to, to the first one is try and set it aside, the shame or whatever that comes up with it, uh, and just acknowledge it for face value. It's the law. You know, what did you did you or did you not do? I think what you, what I how I'm resonated with it is is that you you go try it on in the world and see if it actually creates something for you, right? So, it, like, yeah. try this on. Don't don't take it for face value. Don't co- call it capital T truth. Don't hit your wife over the head with it. But, like, just go <laughs> try it yourself and see see if it works, right? Yeah, exactly. Don't hit your wife over the head for with anything. Sound <laughs> 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 advice. <laughs> I guess CJ, you know, what would be a sign that it's working? Uh, by getting more power and more quality of life in your life. Um, so that means being able to create more external results out here and then having a paradigm shifting moment internally, subjectively, where you can say, holy crap, I'm like experiencing life at a much higher level than I ever have before. Hmm. Hmm. And you'll yes. know, you'll know when there's a paradigm shifting moment, like when you could, you know, really tell. Love it. All right. Uh, number three. Number three. Yeah. Third one is that instead of learning or trying to create a ton of different habits or trying to get rid of negative habits, uh, just build one habit, which is create the strength between you and your word. Create that relationship to where that's that's the only habit you work on is strengthening your relationship with your word. And Lucas, you said that that, that really resonated with you. It did, especially, you know, this time early in the calendar year when I think people are setting for themselves outrageous goals. Uh, and so the idea that there's sort of one, uh, one habit to rule them all, I, I, <laughs> I think is super appealing. And when you think about it, yeah, like if, if you commit to anything and you honor that commitment, you know, then, then that's, 
that really ought to be the focus, not the thousand other things that you're committing to separately, but, but just your commitment to your word. I, I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're noticing habits being really hard or commitments being really hard, it's probably because you don't have a super strong relationship with being able to give your word to something and then following through. Wait, 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 wait. Say, say that one more time, CJ, because that, wait, say that one more time. <laughs> yeah. If you find yourself breaking your word with yourself or to others, either with commitments or habits, since we're talking about habits right now, then I make up you probably don't have a super strong relationship with your word. Hmm. Or wow. Perhaps it's it wasn't really a priority to you in the first place. I, like, would that be accurate? Like, you know, maybe it's a sign that you need to reset what's important to you. Well, similar, yeah. It it means then you kind of throw your word around. If you're throwing your word around to things that maybe are not important to you, then you should probably look at what you're giving your word to. You know, that this could be a whole other thing, but I'll say one yeah. thing that is that is, uh, I believe that who you are. This is a very diverse way of thinking again. I believe that who you are as a person is your word. So if you're going to give your word, imagine taking your finger and giving it to somebody and you'll get it back once you keep it. People don't relate to their word like that. People relate to it like, I'll give it. I might keep it. I have a good intention of keeping it, but it's a mm-hmm. there's a chance, you know, which is funny. Like, why do people promise? Why do people say I promise? And that's supposed to make a difference. It should just be your word is your word, not I promise. And that should be it a different level of, of giving my word. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, this is, this is so good. And, and one other thing that I would just say on this is in the context of, you know, parenthood and fatherhood, you know, your word means so much. And I've learned this through my own journey in fatherhood of just like how important that is to, you know, not just say things for the sake of saying things and to mm-hmm. really be intentional about the things that we are saying and not just what we're saying, vocally of, of things coming out of our mouths. But a lot of times it really is the way that we're communicating with our kids through our actions as well. And, you know, especially if you've got young kids, they're not going to understand some of this terminology or verbiage. Like my two-year-old does not understand what, what you know, what we're talking about here, but does understand that, you know, I show up or that I show up with a smile when I greet him or whatever that is, or, um, you know, some of the actions that I have towards some of my kids. And I think it's really important to, uh, to honor that. And that's one of the reasons why we've been so excited to have this topic today. So, um, CJ, we really appreciate you taking out the time. Um, thank you, Lucas and Seth for also obviously joining us here as part of the team, um, at a tribe called dad. We want to thank everybody who's tuned in and who's listened to this episode. Uh, we invite you to, uh, listen to all of the episodes and, connect with us on social media, connect on the website as well. Um, All of that, there's links inside of the podcast episodes. We'll see everybody later. Thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than moms. Dads are better than moms. Sorry.